I present to you the governor of the great state of Oklahoma, Governor Mary Ballard. Scott Nelson, thanks for joining this week. We are standing in the Hall of Governors. We just finished listening to the governor's address, the state of the state address, and we are standing here with uh, two men on the street, regular and women on the street, regular <laughs> everyday people, Nikolai and Courtney, friends of the pod now. Friends of the pod. Nikolai, Officially you, friends of the pod, not even on. Yeah, no kidding. And you've come to several Let's Fix This events. I have. Courtney, is this your first one? This would be my first one. I have uh, more flexibility in my job now, so oh, I can get out during the 9 to 5 hours. Nice. Well, I do want to say, um, I think I've told this story to lots of people before, that when Let's Fix This first started, uh, it was, we'd kind of done some things, and then you guys were passively involved in that. In 2016, you hosted a dinner at your house for people to discuss the state questions yep. that were on the ballot that year. Yep. And I didn't know you before then. I just got an email <laughs> um, from a friend that was like, hey, come to this. Wait, the, the dinner? Yeah. Like, the, the dinner? Was it their house? Right. Yeah. The dinner. Yeah. Dude, this was like the birthing of Let's Fix This. <laughs> <laughs> it was in your dining room. Yeah. And I didn't know what live tweeting was before that. I thought Andy was just ignoring all of us. But <laughs> Nicola yeah. thought he was being rude on the phone while we were you know, <laughs> discussing important state matters. Turns out he was broadcasting <laughs> that little bit of democracy to the world. That was fun. That's true. Oh, that's right. I was tweeting from the event. Yeah. The dinner. I apologize for that. No. Um, thanks for putting up with me. In the <laughs> event, so, um, so uh, Scott, what did you think about the, the speech? You know, um, my thoughts are in terms of just kind of the, the aesthetics and the delivery, I think it's the best speech that I've heard the governor give personally. I think she... Like her actual delivery? Yeah, the actual like delivery standing up and giving the speech. I thought she did well. Um, looking at the text and kind of reading between the lines or even just reading the lines, I'm kind of struck by the fact that there was no new policy, no new initiative, nothing that she's calling for. This was really uh, an address that was devoted to endorsing and advocating for the step-up plan and really calling on the legislature to take the components of these plans um, and use that as a blueprint going forward. Right. I saw, so the Oklahoman posted the full text of the speech. Uh, ben Felder had it posted and had like a little word cloud of the most used terms, and I haven't had a chance to look at that, but I've got to imagine that step up is used at least <laughs> 10 times in that reference. Yeah, or outside group or proposal, I think right. those were. And I did see, well, I just noticed not a lot, but she used the term warehousing twice to describe people in prisons, which I thought is probably a fairly mm -hmm. apropos term, um, but also one that I think strikes a kind of a visceral response. So, uh, Courtney and Nikolai, what do you guys think? You know, I, I think that Scott's right. It was a, a well-structured speech, and it was well-delivered. I think that the substance of it was unfortunately lacking from my perspective. Um, the two things that I was most struck by were essentially an admission that we are now outsourcing our legislative duties to the step-up plan. Like they couldn't uh, get it done, so let's ask somebody else how to do it. That's how it reads. That's what it feels like. Now, to what extent you know, legislators have been involved in crafting of the step-up plan, can't speak to that, but you know the outside optics are very interesting from that perspective. And the other thing that I was really struck by was she made mention of a lot of public policies about criminal justice reform and all these things in a frame that said this will not happen unless we adopt Step Up. Step Up served as the gateway to 
essentially everything else that she would propose the legislature take on this year. And so that framing was really interesting. That is interesting. You know, last year she spoke a lot about criminal justice reform, and that was the thing I think that she hoped to champion mm-hmm. last year. And the there was, I think, really just one barrier, and that was uh, Representative Scott Biggs, who moved up to the Trump administration and is no longer in the way, if you will. Uh, and so I'm curious to see if some of those reforms come through this year. Those are things that might actually save the state a lot of money mm-hmm. if they're enacted. Yeah, I mean, the tens of millions of dollars. Because um, it's not only the money that it's costing us to incarcerate the population that we have, uh, but if we don't enact criminal justice reform, we're actually going to need new prisons, right? We're, we have so many prisoners, so many people that are in the system that we actually have to build new places to house them. Um, so it's not just that our existing prisons are expensive and costly and too full. It's that we need more. Right. Um, so I think that, that there is the potential for huge savings there. She can get it done. I, I agree with you, Andy. I think that this session, uh, it's a lot more optimistic that we might see that um, now that Representative Biggs has kind of moved on up to another another post in government. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, the, the thing, I, Scott and I have talked about this a lot, and that's that the step-up plan is, everyone talks about it as it's one thing, but mm. it's not. Yeah. There's like 18 separate bills contained, which means 18 votes. Some of the, those votes would only serve to move the measure to a vote of the people, that would be a state question, so that we, the voters, would have to decide in November. And so this is, even if they happen to pass all 18 parts, it's still not a done deal. Yeah. Curious it, to see what are, what are your thoughts. Well, it's really interesting to talk about step up, or to to discuss it in a way that says it's one kind of cohesive thing. It's just one bill that we're going to put forward, we're all going to vote on, and then we're going to move on to everything else. But just like you said, it's not the way the structure of this is going to work out. So, just adopting that as a roadmap but moving through the step up plan in the space of one legislative session seems fairly aspirational. So it is. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I I've been I've been getting increasingly over the last week as it's really gotten more press and people are talking about it more, writing about it more. Um, you know, I'm not going to impugn any of our journalists by name because I think we have a lot of journalists that cover politics and, and the Capitol that do a really great job. But some of the reporting on Step Up, I feel like has really been lacking because it gives the impression that this is a package. It gives it a, it's a plan. Like it's, you take, you just have to pass this thing. And that's not true. It's not accurate. And it's also frustrating because the folks that authored it have framed it that way as well. And so the, the cynical part of me that pays too much attention to politics wonders, are they framing it that way so that when certain measures don't pass or when you know, our legislators can't agree which revenue measure should come up for a vote first or you know, which, which one is most important or which one needs to be adjusted, because it's been framed as a package deal, are they going to use the failure of any one or two parts or failure to agree on legislative strategy as a justification to just can the whole thing and say we don't have any choice but to cut to cut spending even further. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like this is this is super like devious and I'm probably <laughs> spent too much time watching House of Cards, but like <laughs> do, do, is there is there some part of the authors of the step up plan that don't actually want to see it pass? Like is that well I can't figure out why they're framing it as this package deal, but all of these are people who know that's not how it's gonna Mm-hmm. Well, I hear that as a challenge uh, for Nikolai and I to do a larger scale dinner party now <laughs> about the step up uh, <laughs> concept. So, 
I'm all in on that. Let's make it happen. <laughs> you know, I do think, Scott, that the reason they're framing it this way is, is how they presented it, and it's how most plans are presented. It's how the, the SOS, the Save Our State right. Coalition's budget, was presented as that this package only works if all of it is passed together. Sure. So, like, don't... It's not a menu of options, it's not a buffet. Right. you got to just... Uh, although buffet's a great idea for a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's not a buffet. You can just choose things. You've got to pass it all. Otherwise, it starts to fall apart. And I think we've already started to see some people pull off or certain pieces of that come off. They're like, well, okay, that's not going to pass. Let's forget about that. And right. um, So I'm curious, and I'll say now, what we'll announce probably tomorrow is that we're going to um, kind of share out there, send out email and social media, a list of kind of all of these proposals individually and let people vote, like, yes or no, do you think this will pass? And I, I may do it a pretty literal translation of just like, pass as it's written today. Right. Um, and yes, no, and then we'll tally it up the winners. I think we mentioned this last week in the yeah. podcast. Uh, whoever gets the most gets a tote bag. Let's fix this tote and bag. And come on the pod. And, and come on the pod. And, and an as yet undetermined, <laughs> right. an as yet undetermined prize that will largely depend on whether they're under or over twenty-one. Yeah, I'll send it out. It's like a <laughs> like a Google, uh, either a Survey Monkey or some kind of Google form, so that we can have a safe place to record people's responses. And you're probably right. It's probably not that. It's probably not that devious. Um, it just has been frustrating to me. Is you know, I, I blew up Andy's phone on mm. uh, on a Friday because there was an article that came out, and I was just like, "Why are they writing about it like this? It's all, <laughs> none of this is right." Well, since the speech was mostly you know kind of an endorsement of the Step Up Plan, have you guys had a chance? Have you reviewed the components? Do you have any thoughts on the Step Up Plan? I know you said you're not a fan mm. of coming to legislative outsourcing, which I totally agree with, by mm. the way. But what are your thoughts about what has been proposed? I mean, I. Not being a fan of the legislative outsourcing, I suppose, is somewhat aspirational. You know, I would have to believe that our legislature functioned you know, effectively to be mad about that. I'm not necessarily mad about it. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know enough about the plan to speak with sure. a lot of certainty on it, but I will be very curious to see in what order the legislature starts to address its different components. Yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot of strategizing between members of the House and Senate with respect to how they're going to break it down. So that'll be something really interesting to watch. Well, I think that's what we've heard. I mean, the Democrats have said, well, show me the bills mm -hmm. before I'm going to say if I'm going to support this. And I think it'll come down to, okay, well, if you pass these revenue measures first, we'll show you this one. Change. Yeah. Right. And, the other, and then the Republicans say, no, no, no. Right. If you pass this, then we'll vote on that. And, <laughs> not, and neither side has any trust in the other side. Right. And no. I think that's a, that's a big part of what you and I talked about last week was that the lack of institutional trust is a real barrier here. Say, yeah, we'll we will pass. We'll help you pass the cigarette tax. We'll help you pass the motor vehicle tax. But we're going to do gross production and income tax reform first. Yeah. And I think the Republicans are going to say, well, that doesn't make any sense. The cigarette tax and the motor vehicle tax—that's the easiest ones. So we should do that first, and then hash out mm -hmm. gross production and income tax reform later. And I think the Dems are going to say, yeah, but what if we don't? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it is, I mean, it's much different. We're standing here on the second floor, which is where a lot of the freshmen and the non-leadership rank and file, the members of the House are, and it's very different getting their perspectives in their offices than it is up on the fourth floor mm -hmm. um, where all the leadership is. Um, that even, even within the same party, there's a big divide on what, yeah, how they perceive it. It's going to be some really interesting questions for people to think about leading up to some of the Let's Fix This Days at the Capitol, right. right? I mean, these are questions, because they publicize the roadmap in this way, there's some 
tangible things that we can come in and talk to our legislators about yeah. now and say, all right, well, where are you out on X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So it's tough. I mean, I think I know I've gotten a lot of questions from people asking where let's fix the stance on the step up plan, and I've kind of said we don't, we're not as an organization not taking a stance. I have my own opinions. Scott has his. You guys have yours. Uh, the five living governors have theirs. Everyone has their own perspective, and uh, I don't think we need another group telling people what they should or shouldn't believe. But we do want to present each uh, each item on its own merits and help voters understand them so they can make up their own mind. Well, the consolidation and the access to information is usually the biggest roadblock uh, yeah. for being engaged. So I think right. that's a great idea. Yeah, our government doesn't <laughs> high marks for transparency. <laughs> no, that was a ladder for those at home listening. Um, all right, great. Hey, Nikolai and Courtney, thank you so much for standing here and chatting with us. Thanks for coming to the speech and enjoy yeah. the rest of your day. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Now we're going to sit down with David Blatt from the Oklahoma Policy Institute. And David, we really just wanted to get your impressions from the speech. Yeah. So. You know, and that's not a great surprise. I think we expected that the governor would use the time to make a pitch for the step-up plan that has emerged in the last few weeks. And really, most of her speech, which was, I think, one of the shortest State of the State speeches I've heard, probably only 15 to 20 minutes. And I think it was all to give the idea that there's really one job for the legislators, and that is to pass new revenue, although she also emphasized that along with the revenue proposals, there are various reform proposals that the legislators will be voting on. Um, but I think her sense was, you know, I've been here before, I've been saying the same thing for several years, it's just time to, to get it done. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've heard several people kind of say that it felt a little sleepy um, and that they just, that it was clear that she was like, this is my last go at this and here's what we're doing. You guys know, know it. Know the drill. Check your email. I've already sent it out. You've seen it on the news. Um, maybe the real question is, do you think any of this is a shot at passing? I, I think it has a chance. I know that there are some very prominent, respected Oklahomans who are working very hard to make this happen. I think uh, the Republican caucuses are getting a lot of lobby effort from Republican business leaders and community leaders, the same among the Democrats. Uh, I think right now the votes are probably not there, but I don't think that there is a firm, um, a firm count. I think Democrats would like to see some changes made to the plan. I'm sure the Republicans would like to see some changes made as well. But what was interesting and notable is that even assuming nearly $700 million from the step-up plan in new revenue being available for next year, we're still not fully out of a budget hole that has been dug over 10 years. Even with step-up, it would be a step, but it's not the final step. Right. We'd still be about, in terms of our structural deficit, we'd be about still $500 million away? We would still, there's various ways, various ways of measuring it, but one, one way that the governor herself acknowledged in her uh, executive budget, which was posted online, is that even with the step-up revenue, that the 2019 budget would be a billion dollars less than the 2009 budget adjusted for inflation. Wow. 
So, and you feel this, let's say, if you look at the budget for public schools, this proposal does include a $5,000 a year pay raise for teachers, which is great. But we know that schools have lost hundreds and, th and thousands of teachers and guidance counselors, librarians, custodians, um, speech pathologists. Yeah. Really so what we see are class sizes that are over 40 and 50 students for drama and music and art classes, that we've l lost foreign languages. A third of Oklahoma high schools are not offering a single foreign language class. So we have a massive shortage in teachers, sh support staff, uh, paraprofessionals and so on. That's not going to be solved with a teacher pay raise. We need, we're going to need more money going to our schools. We're going to need more money for higher education. That's been cut the most in the nation, where higher ed appropriations this year are 26% below where they were eight years ago. This budget doesn't have any more money for higher ed. It has no more money for corrections, which are at 110% inmate capacity and 70% and staffing. We can go through a whole bunch of areas where we're going to have to take many steps up if we're going to get anywhere near to the level of support for basic services that Oklahomans expect and count on. Right. I think we're at the point, too, where we're starting to feel, I think regular Oklahomans are starting to feel the shortage. Like there's a point, like, you can cut some things and it may not hit home or resonate with everybody, but we're, we are increasingly at that point where you can't escape it. I think that's the case. I think, you know, it's most visible in our schools because that's where we have 600,000 students. So that's most everybody has a child or grandchild um, or a relative who's in the school system. But we're also seeing it um, in our healthcare system, which has been cut repeatedly. We see it, of course, in, in infrastructure and in roads and bridges, public safety. Um, a line that uh, a friend of mine shared was, you know, we've starved the beast and then we complain that the beast is sluggish. Right. It's really hard for public servants to do what they're expected to do when their budgets are cut, when personnel, when, un when vacancies are, are left unfilled year after year after year. Yeah, that's something that has bugged me for a number of years is that you hear this refrain, government doesn't work, government doesn't work, government doesn't work. So you have to you have to cut funding, cut funding, cut funding, and then you cut the funding, and then everybody starts complaining the government doesn't work. It's like this self-fulfilling right. prophecy. It's know? like the car that that you don't put any money into maintenance, and then you're saying, well, why doesn't this car work? So government is, is no different. And we've seen, if you just look at the overall state workforce, we're about 4,500 state employees below where we were in 2009. And we have fewer state workers than we had in 2001. Now there's some areas where because of productivity, because of efficiency gains that you can have fewer people doing more, but at a certain point, less is less. At a certain point, when your population is growing, you're going to have more nursing homes to inspect. You're going to have more restaurants to inspect. You're going to have more legal cases, legal disputes to, to adjudicate. At a certain point, a shrinking workforce simply can't keep up. 
and we see it in terms of you know growing class sizes, uh, correctional facilities that are bursting at the seams and are you know likely inviting federal lawsuits. You can go through the whole range. So going back to you know what the governor said, it's encouraging that that she's um, calling attention to all these areas. Um, but we've got a long ways to go. Absolutely, and I kind of to keep on step up plan, but kind of look at the other side of it. You know, we've talked about on the pod that there's really two parts to the step up plan. There's the revenue package and the government reform package. What are your thoughts on the set of, on the I think it's 11 government reform proposals that they've put out? I, I would say it's a mixed bag. Um, I think that there's some really good ideas. We are particularly interested in the proposal to lower the supermajority requirement for revenue increases. We have the most stringent supermajority requirement in the nation. We're the only state that requires three-quarter support of both chambers for any tax increase. And it's made Oklahoma essentially ungovernable. It's made a small minority of legislators in a position where they have a veto power over the majority that is looking to do the right thing. Um, there are, are lots of uh, proposals to expand the governor's appointment authority. I think those are worth considering if you would imagine that the legislature would exercise oversight authority, and I don't know that that's realistic in Oklahoma, uh, that if the governor appoints agency directors, if they're not accountable to boards and you don't have strong legislative oversight, then who's actually going to be have the oversight to provide the scrutiny to make boards serve important functions. So there's a number of, of those ideas that I don't know have received full and proper vetting. I would like to see a debate on some of these over the course of the next few months. Some of them would require a vote of the people, and right. um, so With I think the lowering the supermajority threshold wouldn't that have would, to that would require a vote of the people? Uh, extending term limits from 12 to 16 years would require a vote of the people. Uh, making some of our currently elected statewide officials into appointed officials that would require a vote of the people. Um, there's also uh, some proposed changes in how we would elect Supreme Court justices that I'm not a judicial expert, I can't sure. really weigh in, but I know that those within the legal profession have some real concerns about that and, and feel like our current system is working pretty well. Sure. How do you feel about the term limits proposal in particular? I'm curious to see your thoughts on that. I think that you gain a lot from having experienced legislators and that Oklahoma's experience before term limits was that there was still a lot of turnover. You have a lot of people who will stay in the position for six or 10 or 12 years and then because of elections, they lose an election, they lose a primary. I mean, voters can always have the power to impose term limits, but there was so much made out of the notorious Gene Stipe, who right. was, uh, was 40, 50 years, he was always an anomaly. There, sure. were, there was never a whole legislature of, of 20, 30-year members. So I would be in favor. The difficulty that you're going to have is that there's so little trust in our elected officials. People are so disgusted with the legislature for the mess they've made of things that to come forward and say, let's let them keep their jobs longer is going to be a tough sell. Right. I think if you actually have a debate with people and think about you know, what do term limits do in terms of that real rapid churn and people 
moving into leadership positions, sometimes in their second or third session before they really know how things work and state government works. I think you could probably make the argument, but just, I can certainly imagine the opponents of term limits, how their advertisers would look for saying, do you really want to right, it's a really tough sell. keep those folks in, in power longer? Yeah. Um, I think if it gets to gets on the ballot, it's going to be an uphill struggle, but I do think at least giving them a couple more sessions would allow greater experience and familiarity with government to develop. Yeah, great. Well, David, thanks so much for taking some time to visit with us. It's always good to see you. You too. And uh, congrats. This is 10 years for OK Policy this year. It is. Uh, And two years for Let's Fix This. That's Uh, right, yeah. Hope if your listeners and viewers are not familiar with us, uh, okpolicy.org. We have a brand new legislative primer. We have an online budget guide, lots of resources, as well as advocacy tools uh, that I think uh, we always work really well with Let's Fix This. And we're together trying to get more folks who are informed and active in the legislative process. Right. It takes a village to raise a state, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank Thanks, you. David. Okay. Uh, we're standing here with Representative Marcus McIntyre from Duncan. Forgive me, I forget which district. It's District 50. District 50. 5-0. Yep. Uh, so what did you think about the governor's speech? Um, to me, it wasn't very surprising. I figured that she was going to talk about the step-up plan the entire time, and she did. So to me, it was um, it was a rah-rah speech, you know, get your act together, you know, pass this thing, let's move on to a sustainable future as a state. So. Yeah, I, was, I think we've all been struck by how brief it was, but it was to the point. It just was, Yeah, yeah. you know what it is, let's vote for it, come on. Right, right, that's, ex- that's exactly what it was. She she let her position be known. Right. Um, do you think that resonated or landed well with the members of the House? Uh, of course, not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the step-up plan is, it has a lot of good things and things that aren't attractive. And it's just getting past the unattractive things, you know. Uh, if you really want compromise, you, you're not going to be happy with all of it. Right. Um, so there's some things in there that, that I know the Democrats don't like. There's things in there that the Republicans don't like. There's things in there I don't like. But a lot of things I do like. And it's just, are the individual legislators going to allow the things that they don't like to um, kind of supersede everything else and just say no? Right. One of the things that struck me last session, even in the special sessions, and it seems like there's a, a lot of not a lot of institutional trust like between the two parties, even between the two chambers. That seems to me, kind of from the outside looking in, as something that's really been a struggle to work through to, to move forward. Do you see, do you think, one, that that's accurate, and two, do you see that any of that may be changing as we kind of move forward into this session? Boy, I don't know. That's... Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Sure. I mean, it's always like the, the Senate and the House don't like each other, and then the two different parties don't. You know, I mean, we're as a freshman class, we're trying to cut through that and, right. and stop yeah. that type of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that's something that's there. Um, I don't know if, if that, uh, those conflicts are going to make people vote no or yes. I mean, I think that everybody is probably looking at this at a district level or an ideological level 
and uh, I'm looking at it from a district level. You know, will this benefit my district and, and the people in my district? So sure. I just think, you know, people look at things differently. I mean, I'm an apologetic populist, so um, I'm looking at it from from the way my people look at it. I'm trying to the best I can, trying to discern what they want. But I mean, some people are looking at it from a purely ideological level. So. What do you? What do the people of Duncan care about most this session? I think they just want it fixed. Yeah. I mean, they just they they don't want to have to worry about this. Right. You know, and um, and honestly, I don't want to either. I mean, I would rather move on to other things. I would like to get this thing done and, and move on, and let's start trying to make the state work better. But we need to have the revenue to fund our to fund our agencies and and infrastructure and all that. So. Right. I mean, that's. Joked about that before. That if we if we pass all this revenue, let's say we pass the whole stuff up plan, that doesn't mean that the state is fixed. We've got no. a lot to do, and, and, and we just heard from David Blatt a few minutes ago that even if the whole step up plan was passed, there it would still not fill the actual need for to run some of these services the way that that people think they should be run. Yeah, I mean, look, the we can throw as much money as we want to at the problem. And money helps, don't get me wrong, money helps fix the problem because uh, it allows us to divert our attention to, to reforming it and making it work better. And that's, all that's what we want. We want the government to work really well for the people. Sure. That's the whole point of government as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome, guys. Anytime. Capital to come to Scotty's Deli for a sandwich, some soup because it's really cold, and we're going to process what all we heard. Man, I didn't even think about soup. What's their soup today? They have a tomato bisque and a gumbo and then a matzo ball soup. Oh, I might have to reconsider. I'll think about it. Scotty's Deli is right down the street from the Capitol. It's really good, really yeah. great deli. Depending on uh, when you walk in here and what's happening in 23rd and Lincoln, might even run into a legislator or two. They do come here on occasion. Yeah. So I hear. Not today. No, it's empty in here today. <laughs> Not right now. Three o'clock on a Monday. Yeah. Um, well, Scott, after talking to a few people um, and after thinking about the speech for a little bit, any more thoughts? No, I mean, I really, you know, we made some predictions last week and I'll I will stand by what I predicted. I am surprised. I thought there would be a little bit more in terms of new policy. I thought that she would come out in favor of Step Up, but I did think that she would be a little bit more specific. She didn't really she didn't really tackle any of the specific government reform proposals. She didn't really tackle any of the specific revenue proposals. She really just said, hey, there's a plan out there. It looks pretty good. Right. In my opinion, you guys should, uh, you guys should pass it. Right. Yeah, I think I like the way that she presented it. Where she was like, "I think legislators should go home and think about the teacher in their district or the prison in their district yeah. or whatever." I tweeted out that quote. Actually, I thought that was. I think that was probably the strong point of the speech. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, you know, I think that was a good point. But I really feel like, for one, the speech was so short, and that she did that kind of at the end. Because she said, I'm going to leave you with this. And that was part of her like, long closing, right. which is probably half the speech. And so I think in doing that, it, it like, I don't know, kind of lessened the impact. Like, those could have been really impassioned pieces. And to be fair, like, 
the governor is not the most gifted orator. Right. And I think, you know, and I think she would, if she was sitting here with us, I think she would, I think she would acknowledge that, that, you know, kind of speech, speechifying and rallying is not, it's not what's gotten her elected over her many years of public service. Right. She's never lost an election. No. Which is impressive. But... Uh, well, and we, we hope to speak to a couple of other legislators while we were there today. Um, Representative Leslie Osborne just messaged me that she just got back after a meeting, and so we'll have to catch up with her later, um, either by phone or in person, and try to get her thoughts on the on the speech as well. Yeah, I think overall I'm left wanting a bit. I'm always guilty of really wanting someone to like wow me and like have a call to action, and right. um, and those kinds of speakers are few and far between. It's not your fault, man. You're like me. You want life to be like the West Wing. It's and true. It just it just can't be. Right. At least not all the time. Right. Or you know whether it's FDR or Martin Luther King Jr. or something. There's. I think people have lost sight of how impactful words can be, and so yeah. Um, it's just the way it goes. You know, I think it is. Um, it is interesting that you know we we were able to get some conversations that we had today on tape. We had some. Uh, we had some other conversations that, that you know we were just kind of chatting. Our sandwich is just arrived. <coughs> what were you saying? We you know we had you know several conversations that. Um, with you know, like with uh, with David Blatt, with Representative McIntyre, um, with Nikolai, I, and they, you know, they echoed I think our thoughts. We had some other conversations today with folks that were around the Capitol. The sense, the sense seems to be kind of what you and I have talked about. It's great to stand up and say, you know, if you're the governor, this needs to pass. It's great to have all these articles in the newspaper and you know on uh, websites and different media forums saying. Oh, Step up plan, step up, step up plan, rah rah rah. But the sense on the ground at the Capitol today for me was there's a long way to go before before really any of this becomes law, and a really long way to go before most or all of it becomes law. Right, right. Well, I vote that we. Uh, I'm I so moved that we uh, dig into our sandwiches here. If there's a Anything that big that happens this week, we can do an emergency pod, but I think this will serve as our as our episode for the week. We'll be back next week. Thanks for uh, joining in, and uh, next week we'll have all the details of the first two weeks of legislative session for you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson, and Andy is at Andy OKC. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash letsfixthisok. Our website is letsfixthisok.org. And there you can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, find resources and details about upcoming events. Our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And Let's Fix This is a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music is generously provided by the Sugar Free All-Stars. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way that you can, and remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Thank you.